Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Now we continue our series on the chaplains and in a very significant arena of work, our hospitals. For 20 years, the Baptist chaplain at Westmead Hospital, Brenda Rebilliard, has lent an ear supporting the grieving and run chapel services. Most importantly, she has shared the gospel with them. In supporting patients, families and staff members, it can also be emotionally stretching for the chaplains themselves. Brenda Rebilliard, welcome to Open House. Thank you, Lee. It's lovely to be here. Wonderful to meet you. Why... Is hospital chaplaincy, Brenda, such a special area? Hospitals are very, are they huge places? They're huge geographically. Um, People come in and they say, oh, this is like a big airport. Um, People can be overwhelmed when they come into a hospital. The other thing is once people come into a hospital, it is a spiritual issue. We are all spiritual beings, not necessarily religious, but we are spiritual beings. We're just not all religious. And when people come into Westmead, it becomes a spiritual experience. Who am I? What's happening to me? Although they would think I'm just here to be looked after and healed or fixed up. Well, that too, I think they also think... What's happening to me? Why is this happening? Where's God? Is there a God? Or I used to believe in God, but I think he's taken a day off. Because quite often life is at stake. Their lives are turned upside down when they come to Westmead because we're such a huge trauma hospital. We're one of the main trauma hospitals in in the state. And it's... There's nothing small happens there. No. My guess is you would be convinced of the need for this work more and more as time has gone oh, on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're not, we're not medical people. We are not prodding and poking. We are providing a listening ear, um, li- listening ear, and, and a heart that cares for people. Your people, people. People, people. What right. drew you to this ministry? I actually hadn't planned to become a chaplain. I went back to Westmead after my husband had had a heart and lungs transplant. I went back to Westmead to do a course um, in in grief and loss because my plan was to do grief counselling, be in private practice and do that because there was that that urge within me to do that. And I went back to Westmead to do a course and sat under the under the under the wing of Reverend Bob Hooper, um, who was the Baptist chaplain there at the time, and I did the course for the twelve months and he um he wrote a report and was my supervisor and at the end of towards the end of the year I was visiting one of our long term patients and he said to me, Brenda Bob's leaving, you know, and he's setting you up for his job. And I said, he is not. That's news said, to me. Yes, right. And I said, he is not. He said, yes. I said, look, now you've got it all wrong. I'm only here to do a course and I'm going to go into private practice and do grief counselling. And he said, oh, okay. So we left it at that. And then as it got closer to Bob's actual leaving, he said to me, well, you know I'm leaving, would you like to go and see John Edmonston and have a talk to him about about chaplains and Westmead Hospital? I said, of course, because you've got to have somebody here. This is a mission field. So I took all my beautiful letters that I've been given and all the lovely things that had been written and I went in and 
And I didn't think for one moment that it was an interview. I was going to tell him, you have to have somebody there. And he said, well, he said, there's not enough money for you to be full time. He said, we could do three days a week. How would you like that? And I was taken aback and I said, me, uh, me, <laughs> like, duh. Uh, and he said, yes, yes. And I was stunned because I thought this is amazing. And then my, my reply was, well, okay. Um, and I thought, well, that's what they're getting now for nothing because I was doing <laughs> so. Um, so I said, yes, that was, I will do that. And pretty much walked out of there as the Baptist chaplain. Congratulations. It's a bit of a surprise. And I was back in a place I didn't want to leave in the first place, in a, in a place who the people knew me and I had street cred and was serving Jesus. I'm sure your nursing background was of immeasurable help. It all made sense. God's a God of order. And when I looked back, I thought, well, of course that makes sense. He is a God of order. All I had to do was trust him and and listen to him. And it was brilliant because I have street cred. Yes. Uh, they know that I know what goes on. Been there, done that. Yes. And... And I love the staff at Westmead. We have 6,000 staff. Yes, it's an important point to make. This is not just for patients. It's no, for staff as well. No, yes. no, Because that's a very tough time for them often. It is. The staff are brilliant. Um, they work really hard, as staff in any hospital do. But we're talking about Westmead right now. The They go through really tough stuff. I have done some most traumatic services for um, you know, people in traumatic sort of services actually haven't been traumatic but the, um, the things that people have gone through and it, it's a community grief and they need those issues need to be addressed. What's mm. your favourite part of the job? I think just getting in the car and going to work. What a great job to do. I, I just oh. I get in the car and I pray I say thank you Lord for Westmead for the privilege and it is a privilege I love it so it's a faith-based job but Mm -hmm. not necessarily always faith related in how you relate to people most of the I'd say a greater majority of the people with whom I meet they're unchurched people that does not mean they are not people of faith Often they are people who have been have been hurt by something that's gone on in the church. They've been hurt by someone in the church, and it's it's interesting um, when I'll introduce myself and they'll say, "Oh, I'm not religious," and I say, "Well, I'm not either." <laughs> Me either. And, yes. <laughs> and yeah. they'll say, "Well." Well, I used to go. I used to go to church, and I used to. My girls went to girls' brigade, and my boys went to boys' brigade. But I, I don't go anymore. And I say, well, it's interesting. People who say that to me have usually been hurt by something or some, and they weep. They weep. And so there's a there's a great opportunity to be as the fragrance of Jesus to these people. And for me, the the lovely thing about about healing 
takes place and there are lots of stories about about reconnection and um, and healing. I'm going to ask you for a couple of stories in a little minute mm-hmm. or so. In a circumstance where you see someone's life hanging in the balance mm. and you're perhaps there or with a family or with the staff, mm. what do you do? What do you say? You know, there really is nothing that anybody can say in situations like that. I think I have a bit of a problem with people who think they have to say something. Totally. Just for me, just being the fragrance of Jesus. And yes, facilitating whatever's needed, like if they have to phone relatives or... um, And I'm guided by what their needs are. They might say, could you pray? Could you um, read the 23rd Psalm? Or we would just like a simple prayer. Or often I've sung um, and I, I, love, I love doing that. And it was interesting. I had a I, – I, in my chapel services that, that, that I run when it's my turn to take chapel, I, I, no matter what other hymns I have, I always have His Eyes on the Sparrow. Because that's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. It doesn't matter what I'm speaking about. That's what, <laughs> yes. that's that's relevant. And and I had a couple who used to come to the chapel. They were not involved in a church. They came to our chapel because they loved being in our chapel. And then the lady got really quite ill, and she subsequently died. And her husband said to me, um, "Firstly, would you please take the funeral? And secondly, we would like you to sing His Eyes on the Sparrow at the funeral." because it meant so much to them. Um, so it's a matter of being, you know, I take Jesus as my role model. What did he do? He met them where they were at. Yes. He wasn't intrusive. Um, he did what he needed to do. And and I follow, I follow that. It's a great gift to have that sense of, not needing to say anything. I mean, mm. if the story of Job is anything to go oh, by, absolutely. his comforters did their best with him when they just sat with him. Did yes, their we, worst when they, they blabbered yes, on. They were not helpful all the no. time. And But people do that. I mean, they meant well. But, yeah, sure. But they, people, if people would just understand two ears, one mouth, listen twice as much as you speak, yeah. and there's nothing that you can say can take away the hurt. You've used the phrase twice, the fragrance of Jesus. Mm. Can you put a form of words to describe what that is like? It's, well, for me, for me, I mean, I always wear expensive perfume, beautiful perfume, not, in, not intrusive perfume, um, perfume that, I'll get in the lift and people say, oh, do you smell lovely? (laughs) Which is really nice. Um, She does. I must say, I've noticed that today. (laughs) So for me, it's, it's, it's being there and, and being in a, creating peace in a, in a, in a um, situation of absolute turmoil, um, crises, pain, grief, anger, um, questions like why, um, you know, why my son, why my daughter, um, all of those questions. Being able, being able to, to, you know, to sit with the, sit with the crocodiles um, in, in big feelings. And, um, and knowing what kind of answer to give when oh, sometimes yeah. there's no answer, Most, like why. Exactly, and, and that's precisely the answer I give. 
when someone says why. For me, I don't know why bad things happen to good people. What I do know, what I do know is that one day we will know, and then it won't matter then anyway, but but I sit with them where they're at. And when they say to me, well, I used to pray, but I don't anymore. I think God's taken a day off. Would you pray for me? So I say, of course, then my prayer would be, Lord, you know, Mary thinks you've taken a day off. Um, wrap your arms around her um, and let her know that, that you are here. Um, it's not my role to to defend God. I don't have to make it right. God's big enough to defend himself. On Open House, we're with Brenda Rebilliard, the Baptist chaplain at Westmead Hospital in our series on the chaplains. A couple of stories. Your most memorable moment in this job. I'm sure there are many. Yes, there are many. For me, for me, the most, one of the most memorable is is actually a personal, personal thing. We, I have two daughters, and they're married, and I have, and I'm a grandma, and we had a granddaughter born after two grandsons, and and she was born at the, the Adventist Hospital, and we went up to visit her, and. We pulled up out the front and we got out of the car and I looked up and, and John was leaning on a car in front of us. And I said, oh, darling, you better get off the car. Somebody will think we're going to damage it. He said, I don't feel very well. With which I, I, I took him by the elbow and said, well, let's get back in the car. So with that, um, he I took his arms and I lowered him to the ground. His legs gave way and he died in my arms on the footpath outside the Adventist Hospital. And that was that was huge. Yeah. Um, there was nobody there, nobody there. Uh, there was a there was a lady up the front of the hospital, and I yelled, out, "Please, could you help me?" And she came down with a wheelchair, and I said, "Well, that's no good. He's died." And um, so she went away, and then some medical people came back, and they were prepared to go and do CPR. And I said, "No, no, no." I said, "He's already signed a form to say." You know, he doesn't want that. And so off they took us to the emergency department. And who should who should be on, on duty there was a nurse who used to work at Westmead, which was such a godsend. And so for me, that was huge. There was my daughter upstairs saying, where are mum and dad? I thought they'd be beating the door down. And we are downstairs um, with... Um, you know, with my husband who died, and so that that for me, that for me was was really quite traumatic um, to to have that happen because you see he'd he'd had he was the second person in Australia to have a heart and lungs transplant, and he actually survived um, he actually survived fourteen years, which was amazing, yes. um, and he got to do lots of things that we didn't think that he'd, he'd get to do, like, walk one of our daughters down the aisle and see both the girls graduate from uni, and that was that was beautiful. But And he knew he'd had a granddaughter, um, but he just didn't get to see her. Did your almost professional perspective as a chaplain vary much when that became so deeply personal? It... It was it was interesting my reaction because I actually I knew what needed to be done, um, but the the staff at the Adventist Hospital were, were brilliant, um, 
And I was ever grateful. Mind you, I, I did call in my support team um, because I knew I was going to need somebody who knew the hospital system, somebody who knew about flights because I had to get a daughter up from Melbourne and and then a, a pastoral um, pair. And, and actually my pastoral friend, um, they're, they're both um, ministers and they're out celebrating her birthday. They'd just been given this huge um, seafood platter and they got the call, so they said to the said to the restaurant, "You can have this. We'll be back later." So, so they came. So, it was it was um, I was well supported. I knew what I needed to do. That that kicked in that practical part, but I, it was heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. That's the most memorable, most special yeah. moment. In your work as a chaplain, there and are, I'm sure there are countless numbers of them. There are so many, Lee. Yes. There are there are so many. I think, well, a little a little um, a little boy, his poppy died, and and he and we did all the forerunning work for for him to go in and spend time with Poppy after Poppy had died. And there's a lot of work needs to be done. You don't just take people in like that. So. And when we were in there, he said to me, Brenda, Poppy's with Jesus now. And I said, yes, Poppy's with Jesus now. And I knew Poppy was with Jesus now because I'd heard Poppy profess Jesus as Saviour and Lord. So it was quite clear. And he said, Brenda, is there music in heaven? And I said, oh, I, I would think so. And he said, Brenda, would Poppy be talking to Jesus? And I said, what do you think? And he said, yes, Poppy would be talking to Jesus. And then he said to me, Brenda, what do you think Poppy would be saying to Jesus? And I said, what do you think Poppy would be saying to Jesus? And he said, he'd be telling Jesus how much he misses me. Children are so wise. They are so wise. Yeah. Um, there are so many beautiful stories. Another quick story. Um, one of our... One of our staff members, um, their baby died at birth and and I took the funeral and this daddy was, he was so angry. But you see, anger's fine because we, we let men be angry, but scratch an angry person and there's a sad one mm. underneath. And and I was saying to him, a really helpful thing to do, I find, is actually when, you, when you're really mad, is to hammer nails into wood. And because I did it on our back fence and found it really helpful because it's actually quite cathartic and you're not harming anybody unless you bang your finger with them. I'll take that bit of advice away myself. And it's really really helpful. Anyway, he said, oh, he said, I love working with wood. I said, okay, how about, how about you make me a cross, a cross that I can use in chapel? He said, I would love to do that. And it took him quite some time to do it. But I have this magnificent tall cross that he made, cross which um, which I use every servant, every service I conduct. But also about 12, 15 months after that, we used the cross in the chapel because they had another baby and we dedicated that baby to Jesus. And we we, we referred to to that cross. So there are so many just privileged moments. I'm sure. Mm. Does it ever challenge your faith, this work, and what you see and what you experience, a lot of the pain of it? My faith hasn't been challenged because I'm very clear about who's in control here, even when things seem out of control to us. I think the challenge 
And the, the shaking of the head for me is man's inhumanity to man. Um, the, the things that people do to one another and the words they say. Um, not just the things that they do, but things they don't do, like the things that they don't, they don't make every day count and they don't keep short accounts with God and man. They don't tell people that they love them. And then they find it can be too late. So it's really important. Is it hard not to take it home with you? The important, one of the really important things to do when you're in ministry is to have a good support network, um, have supervision, have um, people around you um, who who care about you, um, but also to have a life outside. I think yes. that's really important. I I have a life, and I have I have a great network of friends. Um, I. I like to eat ice cream. I love and good ice cream. Um, and and if I'm going to buy an ice cream cone, it'll be a double one, not just a single one. Um, That's self care. Self care. Yes, yes. Really, really important when you're in ministry. Yeah. Um, oh, do I weep? Yes. Oh, yes. I don't see a problem with that. It, it's only a problem when you're in ministry if it immobilizes you. Um, I mean, I've had I've had family say to me, "My bill was so special; even the nurse cried." Um, so, um, I I work very hard at not having it intrude in my life. Mm. It may be a hard question to end on because it is important to recognise that it's not always what we say. That's necessarily important. That's right. But if there are people listening tonight who mm. are hurting mm. or in some kind of pain themselves, mm. which is not necessarily requiring a hospital visit, no. what would you say to them? Talk to somebody. Talk to talk to a professional. Um, family can't always help because family are invariably involved as well. Um, talk to people like Lifeline. I was a Lifeline counsellor all those years ago. Talk to somebody. Um, phone in, you know, to talk back. Um, often, often that can be therapeutic as well. But, but share. It's not. It's not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It's actually a sign of strength. I think. So uh, talk to somebody. And about the one who is in control. What would you say there? Be, be honest with him. He knows what you're feeling. He knows that, that you think he's taken a day off. You know that um, that you're angry with him. Tell him. He knows anyway. Be honest because that's it, when it's at that point, he's, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Brenda Revilliard, if ever I was going to clap after an interview, I'd do it for you. Thank you. It's probably not quite acceptable <laughs> with the tone of it. But... Um, Thank you so much indeed for joining us and bravo for a great work as the Baptist Chaplain at Westmead Hospital. It's Thank been you a treat the, to talk to you. Thank you for the privilege. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.